past 50 years have seen dynamic shifts in societal attitudes towards female autonomy, divorce, reproductive rights, and the definition of marriage. Along with it, more and more people are making the conscious choice to live their lives child-free. We're here to unpack the complexities of this life choice and say the things that we can't say anywhere else. Greetings, and welcome to a very special holiday episode of... Not Just... Sleeping In! I'm Lee. And I'm Tiger. And each week we gather in our secret child-free compounds and discuss all things about this pretty crucial life choice that we've made. This week, our first ever non-denominational holiday special. Happy non-denominational holiday special, Tiger. Yes, I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) But before we get to that, we need to contain our excitement. How Mm -hmm. late did you sleep in this week? Oh, it's a disappointing number, Tiger. 7.30 a.m. As much as we like to poke fun at the old daylight savings, folks, um, this one kind of it crept up on me. It got me. So my, my normal, like, chill 8.39 has just become, like, a, a fierce 7.30. I think some of that's just, like, getting ready to go back to, to work full time. You know, some of that's just kind of you know, a little bit of that anxiousness. But, yeah, not posting big numbers. It's kind of crazy. Me neither, unfortunately. I only slept in until 8 a.m. for much the same reasons. And also because I've been trying to enjoy the last of, like, the good weather before Mm, winter. So I've been getting up to hike and do shenanigans on the weekends while there's still daylight. It's lovely. And here's the thing. I just, this pet peeve of mine, you see stuff on on the socials. But, like, this is, technically, everyone's like, we got to abolish daylight savings time or whatever. But, like, that's the summer yes. daylight savings time. Like, we're on standard time now. So, if, if we want to codify daylight savings time full time, that's different. Then it's just dark at, what, like, you know, 3 p.m. or whatever. But, like, yeah, I don't know. Get your seasonal effective, <laughs> to, you know, disorder lamps ready Either way. Did I ask for one of those for Christmas? Yes. Mm -hmm. Which is the perfect transition into (laughs) holiday tradition. Oh, yeah. Um, So, obviously, I celebrate Christmas. I know that not everyone does. And I know that not everyone celebrates in the same way. Uh, But I think it'd be weird not to address, because it's such like a cultural juggernaut, It'd be weird not to address holiday traditions, especially because it is different when you don't have children around in your life. In some ways, it's better. In some ways, it's worse. And I've found it, especially as I've kind of come into my own as a person, kind of fun to create my own holidays at this time of year and just take advantage of all the sparkly lights and gold things and like really celebrate the things that matter to me. (laughs) Sure. You know, I think that there's still a lot of room to kind of open wide uh, our arms to um, kind of, I'm all for like a much more like universal secularized version of, you know, holiday spirit. Um, I know that with some of the lunar holidays, it gets a little weird because sometimes they're right close to each other and sometimes they're farther apart, but like a general season of, uh, you know, celebration 
during Yuletide. Um, yeah, I think is marking. Good. I think especially in places in the Northern Hemisphere, where I think most of our listeners are, it is important to add some light to the darkest time of the year. Yeah, and in the Southern so, Hemisphere, it's great fun because you're staying up until like so, 10 a.m. 10 p.m. with the sunshine. Sure, and it's summer. Like uh, having yeah. my. D- uh, my dear friends in Argentina, uh, that I've met, uh, it's really funny to always see on their Instagrams, all of them like getting into bikini shape and like going to the beach, you know, and you're just like, it, it's just a good reminder how like, you know, hemisphere centric we can get mindset wise some, at some point. Yeah. There's a, yeah. Which kind of having to, yeah, I was gonna say this actually kind of allows me to, talk about my favorite holiday tradition this time of year um yeah (laughs) because my husband and i chose december 27th for our wedding because he is not a christmas person by any stretch of the imagination but we still wanted to do something cool while we have time off of work (laughs) so we actually because we are also not winter people um we went to new zealand for our wedding so we got to experience like the land of eternal oh, daylight. Yeah. And so New Zealand summer. Yeah. Just... We got to experience a summer Yuletide, as it were. Um, sure. And in a country that's like really secular. Uh, mm-hmm. in, a, in a country that's really secular at a time of year when people are not thinking about cozying up by the fire, but in fact going to the beach and kayaking and doing all the amazing outdoor things that New Zealand has to offer. And we also were not there for Christmas business. We were there for um, sexy love and business. So amazing! it was was awesome. One of the, like, truly the best encapsulation of, like, what we're about as people. And it's also made for a much better holiday season because we can always opt out of holiday stuff and be like, oh, my God, it's our anniversary. And, like, no one argues that. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, it's really funny. You know, and in kind of revisiting some parts of one of our, our favorite books, like, uh, you know, um, Marriage, A History, recently, it's funny that that uh, she talks about how much that the kind of unification of, like, the love marriage is kind of a very important thing, kind of made the honeymoon much more about, like, the couple as opposed to, like, traveling to see your family or whatever, which was kind of the old standard. And again, also that these... Um, holidays were much more communal that like you think about things like you know wassailing and uh, you know people going around and just like that whole like give us some figgy pudding thing which sounds really weird to us now but it's like yeah you might have like five to ten randos from the neighborhood come in and want snacks you know in the middle of your christmas and that was like profoundly standard for hundreds of years yeah you know so but yeah i love that like look take advantage of Sometimes, guys, we break the life script where we can. Sometimes we lean into it hard uh, to create those little pockets. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. Sometimes you have to play into the system to get it to work for you. You know? Sure. Do you have any particular traditions at this time? Or, like, what are your, I guess, what are your holidays? Perhaps that should be, like, another kind of standard cultural question, like pronouns. Like, what are your pronouns? What are your holidays? Yeah, what are your holidays? Yeah. Um, It's funny. So this will probably probably drop closer to the kind of Christmas, Yule, late December holidays, but we're 
right around Thanksgiving as well. So I'll kind of lump them both together real quick. So one of the weird, profound things I like about Thanksgiving, other than trying to like do whatever we can to dissuade people from like um, old kind of, you know, colonial narratives of it, is that I think that it's profoundly about being where you are when you're there and celebrating what's great about your life there. Um, so I really like, cause a lot of times I travel for work. A lot of times, you know, the idea of like going home for Thanksgiving to me seems very weird mm-hmm. as someone who moved across the country at a very young age. You know, I think that Friendsgiving is a lot more about just being where you are with the people that you are. You know, if you can't have like a f- fucking 40 pound Turkey, you know, you get some Boston market and make some stovetop cause that's like where you are. And I think that that's one of the really embracing that part of Thanksgiving. And I've had Thanksgiving all over the world at this point (laughs) in many different states with a bunch of random people. And it's really it's made the holiday really exciting for me because it's really profoundly. It's not about like whose family can you get to. It's about like, where am I at this point in my life? And it really kind of refocuses that holiday on, you know, what I think the intention was, you know, harvest community, being grateful, a good meal with whoever you you happen to be with, setting your differences aside, which is hilarious in context, but of like the angry Thanksgiving. But um, so that's one. I mean, I'm a Sagittarius. Woohoo. Go Sagittarius. Same, same. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> birthday is just strangled out in the middle of the of this whole season. So it's very interesting to kind of try to carve out some uh, special time there when everybody wants to start their, you know, uh, Christmassy holiday parties, you know, on December 2nd. And you're like, just give me like, can I get like a week? (laughs) You know what I mean? Can I just get a week? It's fine. There's Christmas music on in the background. Good God. But like, um, yeah. And then I don't know. I like, I'm a sucker and there's a certain amount of, cultural you know i i love the big family christmas like i grew up in a big family um there's something about that almost kind of dickensian or like you know to like the um bob hope era the you know nat king cole era world war ii giant family christmas of like home videos of kids just running through people's legs and, you know, packed into like 20 people packed into a house, like a three bedroom house. Um, I don't know. That's, that's profoundly kind of my jam. That's the flavor that I like. It's so funny. You know? Yeah. It's so funny. Cause it feels like the opposite of where we usually are, where I am very like, I want to be in the community and I want to be plugged in. Yeah. Um, I don't do that for the holidays. I sure. I am very much I love your take like I love the way you explain Thanksgiving. I think it's really really beautiful. Like like really moving. <laughs> yeah. Um but it is decidedly it's funny cuz it's very much not that for me. I use the holidays as an excuse because I'm off work to skip town without using up my vacation days. Yeah. And uh like and it like Thanksgiving's always just been that kind of because my birthday usually falls within like five days of Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. It's always that awkward time of year of like, oh, I don't get to celebrate my birthday the way I would like yeah. because everyone's gone or doing something else. Yeah. Uh, 
I and and like it feels so artificial. So for me, until I met my husband, we spent our first Thanksgiving together uh, on a backpacking trip, and it was the best. And I've spent that sounds so great. Yeah, and I spent one Thanksgiving because my birthday was super close in Barcelona with my sister who works all over the world. Mm. Uh, where they don't have Thanksgiving, and it was such a relief. You know, it was just yeah. like, oh, we we went to the Picasso Museum, which is. Again, I suppose it's the same. It's like being grateful where you are. And for yeah. me, it's like where I am. It's it's always if I am with. Yeah, I don't know if I, I and it's funny because with Christmas, I very much prefer n- not to be with family because it feels so fraught and manufactured, which mm-hmm. is why I like creating my own traditions. Like and I also with things sure. like with Thanksgiving, it's something as dumb as like I truly hate turkey. So when I am mm-hmm. home, I make a duck. It's like my yeah. big middle finger duck. And like <laughs> this year I'm celebrating with my sister and we're having mm-hmm. a- we're having apps only Thanksgiving. No mains. <laughs> yeah. Dude. <laughs> having dated a fair amount of pescatarians in my life who all won't ever say no to going to like a barbecue shop. Like lean into the apps, respect the apps. No, sides giving is like, what a delight. And I think I kind of get it, you know, because for me, the interesting thing was, I think I wrapped my head around this idea at some point, I think in Bible college, weirdly around Easter, because people would like bail out for Easter. And like, I was enough of a, a drive home, you know, six, seven hours, that the idea of you know, in a, in a world where you're late semester headed, you know, towards finals and papers and things and, um, having to celebrate, do all the celebrating, jump in your car, drive for seven hours and then get up and go to class on Monday. It seemed like a nightmare. So I would just opt out and, um, you know, have like a four day break on an empty campus by myself. Nice. And it was just weirdly refreshing. And I, and I kind of found a lot of value in that time to, like, play some video games and sleep in and, like, not have to deal with people. Uh, and that was kind of my first kind of, like, taste. But it's so funny because there's something about the artifice for me um, around Christmas that there's, like, a, 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 sh- a shelter in it, weirdly. Like, there's a lot that you can kind of hide behind and we'll get into later like that sometimes buries a lot of weird other family stuff yeah um but well I I like the artifice of Christmas in the sense that like you will not this year but in most years you will find me just walking around a mall or a Christmas market I love the crowds and I love the illusion that the cinnamon and the Christmas music gives that maybe people like each other for once for once and yeah like that part of the artifice is weirdly reassuring yeah. And I'm sad um, that that won't be an option this year. No, because it is like the lights. I love, I have a weird thing for um, like subverted Christmas music. Having grown up in the very alt 90s, I started cre- like collecting like punk rock uh, and alternative <laughs> Christmas music in the 90s. Um, and it's become a weird obsession of mine. Just like. <laughs> Pop Punk Christmas. Look, Tooth and Nail put out four great Christmas compilations. If you can find them, they're the best. They might be on Spotify. Um, but yeah, like the Colbert Christmas album is in regular rotation at the in-laws. 
Um, <laughs> it's very weird. But yeah, anything vaporwave Christmas, I'm there. You know what I mean? I like, love give me your weird. Give me your weirdest Christmas music. I'm there. Was I it, could do an entire. Was it Christopher Lee's metal album a Christmas album? Yes. Yeah. What a what a treat! What a joy for all of us. Um, <laughs> I could do an entire separate, because again, the, the music background for me, I could do an entire separate episode on like the weird importance of Christmas music. Yeah. And lyric changes and all sorts of things. It's a weird obsession. If, 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 we could Tiger, honestly, if we were to bump into each other at, at a boozy Christmas party, I would tell you all about um, the, the several different lyric changes uh, in I'll Be Home for Christmas over the years and why. I would it's, love that because that song has such a crazy history. I've read multiple like it's, Reader's Digest look, type articles about it. Look it up. But like until then we will have to muddle through somehow is the most perfect holiday sentiment that then popular culture, you know, the early 20th century was really kind of wrestling with the realities of life. And like once we got to the fifties, we're like, we gotta uh change we gotta get rid of that. And it's really funny to kind of track that. And I wonder if we'll get back to muddle if this is the muddle through Christmas. If like the original See You in St. Louis lyrics will take hold again because this holiday is gonna so. feel so weird. Yeah, it it yeah. feels like that. It it truly feels like this is the original version of i'll be home for christmas creeping yeah. up on us but no we'll we'll find a we'll find a good article we'll put it up on the social so you guys can but yeah yes. um so i don't know i weirdly i also like to it's it i being gone and having a job that kind of takes up a lot of my time i don't get home so christmas is a great excuse to kind of like get home and kind of recharge whatever like because we're not heartless monsters um recharge the kid battery yeah. I love to just get some quiet time with the nie- the nieces and nephews, check in with them, talk about some monsters. You know what I mean? But like indoctrinate them. You know what I mean? Do my part. Please introduce to for- them to Krampus, obviously. Yeah. Krampus, um, play some D&D. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm here to kind of, but like give them a time to kind of do that. We've talked about in some of our community episodes be an adult that's also not a parent. Yes. You know, to like, to really check in and give them times to just give them a second to be like, how do you feel? And just to be that, you know, it's funny. It's like, it's really stupid. And again, like you can tell kind of from the framing of our podcast, how much of my life felt like an 80s sitcom. Um, But I, I always feel a little bit like a special guest star on the special holiday episode of my family Christmas Thanksgiving. Um, and we'll get into why the travel is such a nightmare, but like, you know, I come bursting through the door at like 5 p.m., you know, Christmas Day, my partner and I, you know, Christmas goth as fuck, and it's just like, ah, and it's just, you know, it, there's something about that. It, it comes with a lot of struggle, but that moment, that pop of like, it feels good. You yeah. know, and you can then you can have some eggnog and hug your mom and forget that you and forget you don't agree about politics for a second until it comes up. Yeah. And so my, yeah, it's yeah. My family is so spread out. Like my parent, no one lives in my hometown anymore. We are always sure. moving and traveling, and for various reasons. Um. So 
for us, it's like we communicating over distance and trying to find time to see each other is become so second nature that we the holidays almost seem like a more expensive version of that. So we tend sure. not to trifle with it. Right. I, it's it's just a different it's just a really different dynamic because we are all such sort of nomads in our own right. ways. And I so for me, because I think it's around the time of my birthday, it's I like it for me it's a recharge, like a personal recharge. Work dies sure. down. I get to focus on myself and because I've got two kind of important personal dates scattered throughout, yeah. everybody just kind of lets me. Awesome. <laughs> and, that and sounds really lovely. It, it kind of is. <laughs> yeah. So here's a weird one. Mm-hmm. And and this is funny because I feel like we're going to, down the line, we're going to talk about like some of the horrors of childhood um, kind of growing up. But like there's one thing that I've, I found recently that I miss so much. Um, in the Thanksgiving to Christmas kind of holiday December era, even with the birthdays and the personal things in there, is that I spent so much time as a kid um, in band, jazz band, church choir, drama club. Like, I was... December became this weirdly um, professionally working time for me, right? As Even as a very young child, where all of a sudden you had to learn all your lyrics, get your lines down. And it was like not just one production. It was like over multiple, yes. you know, productions. We used to, you know, I am, my voice appears on several of my collegiate choirs um, recordings that were sold. So every once in a while we'll be in a mall or, you know, on TV and we'll hear like me singing, which is very odd. Like that is a thing. But like we used to do this huge Christmas celebration that people would come, you know, Ashley Judd would come every year to our little Eastern Kentucky college. And we would do like, you know, at least two weeks of performances of like tuxedo singing and like singing at a very high level at a professional level. Yeah. Creating music, even in like high school, college jazz band And you're just, and it's weird because like those are the kind of things that moved me forward into a career in the arts, but like I still associate them a ton with Christmas. So because I'm not keyed into some of those cultural places, you know, like uh, religiously or community wise, like I don't have a reason to just sing and it feels very odd. I think that's why I listen to so much Christmas music is I, I, I want to be on. I want to be on stage. I want to sing. I mean, that's a part of celebrating for me. Oh, is... yeah. Christmas tunes are best tunes. Yeah. So, like, something like a Handel's Messiah group sing is, like, perfect for me. I'm like, we better be doing all of it. Like, all the movements. And, like, I know for some people that sounds like a nightmare. But, like, put some sheet music in my hand. Point me towards the second baritone part and let me go. Yeah. And it feels, when you can't do that at the holidays... Um, it, it, I miss that. I miss yeah. that w- well, way more than I'd like to admit to myself. And it's crazy. Cause even in, I found even, even going to churches on their Sunday services in the Advent, they don't sing Christmas music. They'll do like one Christmas song, but they're like, we don't want people to get tired of it. And it's like, I am only here for your Christmas music. I'm going to leave yeah. for the sermon. <laughs> <laughs> I am not ashamed to admit I've done that more than once. 
I'm probably going <laughs> to... That's amazing. I'm pretty excited to be in the Bible Belt this year because everyone's streaming their services. So I'm really hoping I can find some church who is both technologic, technologically literate, but also like right. not Christmas to universe. Oh, sure. You got to lean... Look for the ones that either sound like a CrossFit or a gay bar. Those are the churches that are going to provide that for you. All right. You know. This is good it'll advice. Be, <laughs> it, you know, it'll be called like the red light or the, you know, the foundry or like iron something. Yeah. Like if it sounds like a CrossFit, they probably stream their services. Oh, um, yeah. It's just, are they going to play Christmas music though? Because those churches sure. are also the ones that are like, we're just going to sing this like rock concert and then like throw in half of a Christmas song that we've mashed up with something cool. So it's not like Christmas. It's like, right. dude, this is like literally your religion's birthday. Calm your titties yeah. and sing the fucking songs. <laughs> sing the goddamn songs. Yeah. We're here for the songs. You got to get to the like post, post, post modern church that will give you the classic yeah. sauce that your heart wants. In Excelsis Deo, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I love it. I'll have to. Oh, man. Do we do we do our first like Spotify Chris like holiday yes. song list? Yes, we do. I think we might have to do it. Yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> Executive decision. <laughs> Executive decisions are being made. For my birthday. Um, for your birthday. Okay. Yes. I love it. So here's a, here's another weird one that's popped up that I really like. Um, oh, man. It's, it's almost like is it a two-parter. I don't even know. Um, I've started recently. I grew up, again, mid-Atlantic, religious. We never, the satanic panic meant we never played D&D as kids. Like, we just mm. didn't do it. And so, weirdly, with kind of the revitalization of it, at my bachelor party, um, I got to get a bunch of my friends from back home, who were a bunch of dorks, like we were nerds about everything else, comics and video games, so never played D&D. And we got to play for the first time together. And it has since become, like, a kind of a holiday tradition of, like, the Christmas D&D game. And we take turns DMing. It's kind of a one-shot. But, like, just to be able to do this thing that we were never allowed to do as kids together as adults and, like, have some cocktails and, like, roll some dice together um, is weirdly one of the things that I, like, look forward to the most about the season. So, because, Tiger, we're going to get... It's going to... We're going to deal with all of the underpinnings here very soon. But I got to know... Because we've talked about how much animated and children's entertainment and family entertainment that you love. What's what's on the what's on the Christmas movie list? Okay, what's if there's on the one list? thing I love more than Christmas songs, it's Christmas movies. Christmas sure. rom com is my favorite genre, and Christmas animated Amazing. children's movies is my, like is my second favorite. Um, All sentiment, no bullshit. It's the perfect. Yeah. Way to just lean um, into the artifice. Yeah. So I love <laughs> the holiday. You you have to love mm. the holiday. Also, like. Kate Winslet and Cameron Diaz are child-free icons. I know Cameron Diaz ends up a stepmom, but, like, legit. Like, this is so Mm -hmm. cool because, like, the kids are ancillary. They already exist. She doesn't care about being a mom. She wants a family, and that's very different. Anyway. Yeah. So, um, just shout out to the holiday. Truly (laughs) a paragon of Christmas cheer in my life. Um, Yeah. Jack Black, squishy softboy of my dreams. Yeah. Specifically, in I would that happily movie. do a full episode about Jack Black appreciation, but because I, I love, love him, him. <laughs> I love him dearly and yeah. profoundly. So that is like such an important movie for my holiday season. I will probably watch sure. it more than once. Um, both Grinches, 
I don't mm-hmm. acknowledge the Ron Howard one. When I say both Grinches, I mean both animated ones. Right. Um, no Jim Carrey. God, please, no. And thank you. Um, the, the, and I'll stand for the new Grinch just because I know a lot of people felt it was unnecessary. But the update that they did to Cindy Lou Who was truly important, truly wonderful. Um, yeah. I love that they made her a healthy, happy, generous product of a single mother mm-hmm. and never questioned it. Um, I love that Whoville is like actually a pretty generous and warm place. And I love that um, they kind of reconciled with the Grinch in a way that felt meaningful. Um, yeah. Also, full disclosure, like I worked in some capacity on the film and it was the greatest yeah. joy of my life uh, to get to work on a Christmas movie scored by Danny Elfman. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Um, and yeah. I love um, While You Were Sleeping. It's like kind of disturbing on its face, but like a really wonderful mm-hmm. movie. Um, all the old FHM, like, claymation classics, Be Still My oh, Heart. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's like my – and Charlie Brown, obviously, always and forever. Um, sure. It's just wonderful. Like, I – yeah, it's just absolutely wonderful. Like, I, it's the best time for wholesome movies. And if you remove the Christmas trappings from them, they still all just end up being about taking the time, like we've been saying, to love one another and acknowledge where you're at. Yeah. Like the the crux of these is always not striving for something more but learning to love yourself where you are. Yeah. And I just think that's so if we could reframe Christmas as a time to just reflect and take care of yourself, which it should be in it and it is a lot of time and to like reconnect with those who love you and whom you love, then yeah, it's a wonderful it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we'll keep we'll keep my side brief. Um, big fan of um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Um, Baby, Please Come Home, It's Christmas is my favorite Christmas song, and that movie starts with it. It's either that or Gremlins, but yeah, perfect. Um, it also was one of the first kind of family comedies to really subvert of like the terrible realities that are kind of baked into it and kind of really put them um, at the fore. Yeah. The financial anxiety, the family stress, like, and but do it in a very heartfelt way that felt very sincere. Um, we'll always cry when Clark's watching home movies in the attic, 100%. Um, <laughs> I have weirdly made it my goal in life to turn into the terrible neighbors, um, which I think they are child-free icons that we should embrace, even though they are 80s comic villains. I feel like much like... Ursula, I think we need to give them the Disney uh, villain veneration that they deserve. Yes. As true, wonderful, child-free icons. So many fashions. Um, I don't know why they live in that neighborhood, but whatever. Um, (laughs) No shade. Um, I live in a suburb down the street from an elementary school. There you go. I am am those neighbors. (laughs) So you're getting the newest, like, uh, 15-foot CD player. And just putting it right up against a window. Um, I love Gremlins um, because, again, I think it subverts a lot of things. Um, and it's just great. And I love, there's a lot of puppets. Who's surprised by this? Uh, Not at all. It's a one, um, yeah. M- Muppet Christmas Carol. Not only because it's important in the history of the Muppets. It's the first thing since you know, the Jim's passing. You got to go for the VHS version, kids. You got to get the one that has... Um, when love is gone because it's not in the theatrical cut and it's a really lovely um, 
it was very formative to me, that song. And again, if you don't know, look it up. You can probably find just the clip on YouTube. But it's the moment where Scrooge's fiance acknowledges that they're just following the life script, that they're just going through the motions, it, that it they maybe loved each other at some point, but at some point that this has become about societal pressure more than it becomes about a genuine connection between the two of them. And obviously, like, that gets used again to, like, that's why Scrooge got, you know, became this awful person, theoretically. But her, it's a very triumphant song for her, and balls, like, an, like Michael Caine singing harmony at the back end of the song, tears every time. Um, big one, though, big number one for me with a bullet, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. <laughs> 54 minutes, it'll brighten your day. I it love will. it so much. It's... What a delight. The songs, some of my favorite holiday music are like the very secular um, hymns from Amadotter's Drug Band Christmas because it's about a very secular Christmas celebration. It doesn't have that like Charlie Brown problem where they feel like they have to tack in some verses from Matthew at the end. It's like a truly, it's about community. I mean, I made the mistake of watching it alone one year though. I used to usually watch it with a ton of people, but for some reason I was on a project trapped in Michigan under a foot of snow in a hotel room by myself watching it. And then it's very sad, maybe too sad to watch on your own, but cuddle up with some friends. It's a Christmas classic that a lot of people don't know about. It's my favorite. So yeah, I don't know. Um, What wonderful look we've given people some watches, some things to listen to. Tiger, I mean, but do we crack through the veneer? I feel like we have to. It's our job here. Do yeah, we talk about I mean, we keep touching on it. So like the holidays aren't all rosy and it is kind yeah. of I mean, there is this you've talked you talked about it a little bit. Like as much as it's refreshing to be around the little kids, you do feel kind of like a special guest star at the holidays often. Sometimes not so yeah. special when you show up sure. when you don't have kids. Uh and even beyond that, it's just holiday travel is really stressful and often you're the one that's expected to travel. Yeah. And yeah. And as always, My, people are always trying to squash the magic for adults to give it to the kids. When in reality, magic is not a zero sum force in this world. Exactly. And there is enough for all of us. Yeah. And like, I want that Christmas magic as much as I want to give it to other people. And I think that it's a, a real tragedy that we've, reframed so hard into the like giving it to the kids that we forget to give it to each other, you know? Um, but yeah, so this'll, I'll, I'll start (laughs) because my partner and I, much to the chagrin of literally everybody else in the family have started to refer to our holiday travel as the yearly death March, um, which is not a moniker that anyone appreciates. Um, but But it involves, usually, as people are spread out, um, possibly one, like, five-plus-hour car ride or, depending on where either of us are for work, a series of, at minimum, three, but upwards of five or six flights. Um, Often to split the time evenly, like Solomon's baby, that means that we're up at like 2 or 3 a.m. on Christmas morning to like board a flight that will cross multiple time zones 
in the hope of getting to the other location by like 6 or 7 p.m. Christmas night. Um, it's, we might, if my partner and I aren't working, we might have some weeks on the other side of that that we can fiddle with. If we are working, we may have a very limited window of time. Um, every year. And it's like we dread it because a lot of times around Thanksgiving, we don't even have answers. We don't know what our work schedule is going to be like. We just don't. Yeah. The questions start and the emails start flying around. And I've come to just like quietly dread it because we go through a lot of trouble and it's not fun. You know, it's not like... Nobody, neither family is truly happy with how it works out. And like, honestly, we aren't thrilled about it either. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of money that like, you know, I think it's interesting that your family's so spread out so that that burden is kind of equally distributed to every member of the family. Whereas for my partner and I, the rest of our families are consolidated very closely in one spot. So if anybody's traveling, it's us. And for as much as like certain members of my family, my siblings will occasionally complain about money and the holidays and presents. And oh my gosh, it's like I'm dropping thousands of dollars on flights, on rental cars, as you know, over the years, it was easier just to get a rental car than to try to get picked up or dropped off at three in the morning. Because at some point you don't want to inconvenience other people. Because again, like they're like, oh, what do I do? I got these kids I got to take care of. I got this other thing I got to take care of. And it's just, it's an immense weight. And you work really hard to come to an equitable compromise that deep down, like nobody's truly happy with. And some sides of the, like one side of the family is very vocal about how unhappy they are. And the other side of the family does this like, in a very passive aggressive family sort of way of like, we don't talk about our problems of like, it's fine. Do what you can. We understand. But there's always that ellipsis at the end that is almost more nerve wracking than the other side saying, we're furious that you aren't here on Christmas day. Yeah. And it's tough because I find myself leaning into like, I it's the dumbest for all the like weird, you know, we've talked about the manipulating of life scripts and using them to kind of help shield you. But at some point I will totally admit to being guilty of just saying like one side is a bunch of adults who have kind of chosen to be after one generation have kind of all chosen to be child free. So it's all adult Christmas. And the other side's got like five to 10 little kids running around to teenagers, depending on which cousins show up, which other family members show up. And I've definitely been guilty and I feel a lot of, and I feel guilt. I feel a little bit of shame about how quickly I am to be like, this five-year-old doesn't understand me not being there that Santa showed up, but uncle Lee couldn't make it. Yeah. Like I have to, you know, like we're all 35. So like we can look at each other in the eye and say like, let's celebrate on the 23rd. It's all the same. It doesn't matter. It's a spirit. It's a meal. It's time together. It's not a date. Yeah. Um, and like the 10 year old doesn't is maybe starting to understand that, but isn't there yet. Yeah. And I hate that I lean into that because that's such a weird currency that I hate that gets used so often, but it's tough. It gets used so often that when you're trying to use it honestly, which I think is 
legitimate in this case. Like someone's concept of time as they age is meant to mature. Uh, It's used so often that when you're trying to use it and come by it honestly, it feels fake and insincere and manipulative. And that is the real kicker, you know? Yeah. And it's, and everybody's got, you know, the weird thing, and I think why the movies and the songs are just, can be one or two dimensional and just full of sentiment and lessons learned because everybody's got their Christmas or holiday expectations, their horror stories, um, and their struggles, some of which are very apparent, some of which are not. There was a, there was a time in my very, you know, you move cross country, you start in a new, very competitive field. Sometimes you don't have a lot of money. So yeah. early in my 20s, my parents had floated me enough money to buy a plane ticket home. Um, you know, like the cheapest possible, like Southwest ticket crammed full of people. But we lay, I laid over in Vegas and I had already said to everybody, I don't have enough money this year to give gifts. I don't. I had made mix CDs and I had put them in film tens. You know what I mean? That you at the once upon a time when we shot on film children, there was just a big bag of tens that sat behind Panavision and you could just go grab them. So um, I tried, but I just didn't have any money. And I had a $10 bill in my pocket and I had an hour and a half, two hour layover in Vegas. And there was one of the big, comically big slot machines. Yeah. Oh, the Vegas airport. (laughs) At the Vegas airport. And I put that 10, didn't even break it for change. I said, I'm going to put this in. I'm going to pull the arm one time. Christmas magic. If it's here, whatever. If not, I'll deal with being down 10 bucks that I could probably use. And I hit some sort of middling jackpot and won $500. And got to like get off the plane and run to Best Buy and buy everybody like a very modest holiday present. And that like, I think about that like way too much. You know what I mean? But um, it's crazy. And like you don't, now in my very comfortable kind of like middle classy plus life, you would could never tell that that was my history with the holiday. But, you know, everybody's got that and you have to respect it. But you got to protect yourself, though, at some point. Yeah. And that's that's one of my favorite things about holidays with my partner is that we have made a we don't do gifts. We don't do yeah. gifts at any time because for both of us, it's been a source of shame or embarrassment in various ways. Uh, and yeah, it's it's one of those things that still makes me very uncomfortable. Um, as I've gotten yeah. nibbling a nibbling soon to be two in my life. Yeah. It's kind of nice because it feels like an out. And mm-hmm. my kind of solution, and it's, so far it's great. My family are big pet people. Um, sure. So my my pets get gifts for all the other pets. And, it's, and as there have been children introduced back into the family sphere, it's actually taken a lot of the pressure off because it's easier to buy for a kid. And it's yeah. easier to buy for the cute dogs and cats in my life than the people. And and everyone seems to just chalk it up to, like, I, I'm really leaning into the eccentric aunt thing. 
and everyone's just kind of accepted it because i it sucks but it sucks it's like i i hate that's the part of the holidays i hate is the the stress tied around gift giving um yeah which is just like acutely uncomfortable for me now okay so i'm but i'm but i'm so i'm curious and, and again like protection is key like in in what like what ways did you find that those gifts were manipulating? Was it, is it the kind of thing like it was a diet book or like beyond like just the ugly sweater or some socks you were never going to wear? Like, was it, was it you and your partner kind of, you know, and be as vague or specific as you want. Is it the kind of thing that it just poked at, it pulled at threads of insecurity already in you? Was it passive aggressive? Like for him, it was a lot different than it is for me. For him, it was very much, a source of manipulation and Mm -hmm. I would say abuse. He might classify it differently, but you know, that's just from the outside looking in. Uh, It was gifts were used as like bribe and a source of shame and a source of um, not given out of love, but given, you know, there's expectation, the expectation. Yeah. And there's strings attached for me. It's just, you know, Growing up in the era of the love language, I think it's bullshit that gifts are a love language. I think it's stupid. It's materialistic and capitalistic, and it's just a way of, like, selling books. If you want to be thought of, you want to be thought of. And you can say that that's vis-a-vis a gift or it's whatever. But, like, I hate that shit. I hate being made to feel like my love of someone is tied to what I gift them because that is not how I operate. I don't. I love, like, I like getting things for people when I'm thinking of them. And I love reaching out to people and I love talking, like, I love the people I love and I feel like, and they would say, I think that I do a good job of expressing that, right? And the gifts and this idea of, like, love language assigns more value and sentiment to them than I think is owed, especially when it's tied to a time of year and not to a actual feeling on my part. And that is dumb. Uh... Yeah, it's just like it's just frustrating. It's always it's always that push pull of like being and like look, I I it's not that I don't get gifts. Like I said, I found ways around it, but I am really bad at coming up with creative, interesting ideas. So I'll just get something from your list because I know it'll make you happy, or right. I will get you. I love getting people consumables. Um, mm. Because there's a, yeah, like there's this idea that it's like kind of temporary, but like if you're having a nice cup of flavored coffee that I bought you the beans for, and you think of right. me while you're drinking it, like that's awesome. Because then I'm warming yeah. your heart and your tummy. <laughs> it's very you know it's very funny. There's a lot of like I find a lot, and some of the stuff's the run up, right? Like in the run up. Uh, there's all of the pressure and then hopefully you get that nice pop. You come in the door with like a, an arm load of gifts. That's great. But there's a weird, like, when are you coming question gets followed very quickly by send us your wish list. And for me, and I, and I know that it, you know, and again, the question with so much of this stuff, what's in my head, what's real, what's not there's a very easy way to kind of get a little gaslit by some of this stuff. Like it's, it's just all, it's, it's charged. It's all this big powder keg. And it's just like, I don't want to send you a a wish list that maybe has some like bigger money ticket items on it. If I feel like that's then going to somehow become a bargaining chip to travel in these days and those days and which days 
and it makes me very uncomfortable and it makes me kind of like not want to participate in that part of it because there's so much other stuff being negotiated. Yeah. And it's hard to, to know in good faith, even with people you love very much, that that's not getting thrown into a pile. And it's weird because I think there's almost some, some sort of a generational thing that we can talk about, Tiger, where I think so it's like our grandparents are still of that kind of the edge of the greatest generation to early boomers who were all, all you know, we're all coming home from war and just like cramming all their emotions down into a big well. You know, their kids didn't get hugs and they're the like, we hate participation trophy generation that are now we're all dealing with the, you know, the, uh, the almost, you know, never ending lifespan of the boomers and their quiet souring towards everything. And then we grew up in like the material eighties and nineties, a point of kind of affluence where it was about the, like, is there a Nintendo under the tree? Is there a tickle me Elmo under the tree? That is how I show you. I love you. And we're all now 30 ish, you know, late 20s, 30s, whatever. Um, and, like, I would rather just have a a relationship where we can talk honestly about our feelings. You know, I think my family still really leads hard into, like, well, we set up a vacation for you guys in the summer, and we get you guys nice Christmas presents in the winter, and that's how we love you. And it's like, I would love for you to maybe go to therapy <laughs> figure out some of your weird misconceptions about this stuff and then treat me like a human and love me the way that I'm asking to be loved. Yeah. This is where I get, that's what I would like. Yes. (laughs) And I I get a lot of that from religion. Fortunately, my parents are, um, children. They, they are Xers. Right. (laughs) Oh man. Like on the cusp, on the very, very cusp. But yeah, my, my parents are, technically xers and uh also yeah so it's it's just always been a like slightly different but then it's a whole different kind of depressing <laughs> oh sure no i you know like, it's so funny my family saw the cracks in the system and they were just grasping it like we don't want our kids to fall in this any more than we sure. have <laughs> and they've done it like to their credit they did good <laughs> and it's like uh... It's very funny that some people's idea of like a perfect holiday is everybody like seething quietly in front of a banquet of food, not saying what they think or feel, and like watching a Christmas movie a little bit boozy on eggnog and then going to bed angry. They're like, we did it. Yay. And you're just like, that's just, it's not, you know. It's not great. I think it's better to properly engage with each other to take care of each other to take care of ourselves you know what i mean like lean into the dumb mariah carey song of your heart you know what i mean like really try (laughs) or don't (laughs) you know like that's why i think that the 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 stories and the songs and the movies are so much of our experience because they grasp at a, a a less complicated more altruistic version of all of these ideas, you know? Well, with that said, like, because yes, 100%, what would, if obligations weren't a factor, if whatever, what would your perfect holiday look like? This is just my little thought experiment that I kind of want to 
Sure. Like, after talking about the good and the bad, what would you do to make it perfect? This this is insane. Like, because some people are going to say, like, like, be on Maui, you know, be at the beach with a pina colada in hand, not worrying about any of this shit. Um, my perfect holiday would be to find some way to clone myself or time loop and just be both places at once for the entirety of the holiday to just to satisfy all the people and all the expectations and soak up all the good parts, you know, the, the holiday cheer and the chaos and the joy and just do it to, for both, for anyone that feels an obligation to me to just cover all of those at once without having to pick or choose or, but if I could just, you know, on, on the magical twilight of the 22nd, bifurcate myself into two merry elves and send one in each direction only to be returned at the stroke of the new year, that would just, that would do it. And I know that's insane, but that's honestly would fix that's the Almost question. I mean, everything. but that's the question. You know, it's like if that's what it would take. If you could be with all the people you loved when you wanted, like yeah. that's where you want to be. Like that's great. Uh, affordable teleportation is also an acceptable answer. <laughs> I kind of like the bifurcated you, though. I love that you'd be living the same place at the same, like living in the same places at the same time. Like, yeah. Or like, I would just say, if we could, you know, again, we all teleport to a pocket dimension where we're all there. Like, let's make it bigger. Like, I don't mind that. Like, let's take two 10-people Christmases and just make it, like, a 30-person battle royal. You know, why not? Like, that I don't hate, you know. Why not? Nice. So, Tiger, though, because I feel like yours might be a pina colada on a beach somewhere. What's, what's the perfect one? What's the mix? What's, what's got all the perfect ingredients for you? I mean, the New Zealand Christmas was pretty close, except that everything mm-hmm. was closed, and we really wanted... Well, no, it wasn't. We ended up going out for Indian food, which was sure. like kind of great, because it was summertime. But honestly... The Chinese food of Australia. Yeah. it was. Who also has a lot of Chinese people. Yeah, it was great. Um, yeah. it was That was a pretty wonderful time, um, but I do think like getting... Yeah, for me, it's always going to be being with my husband... In nature with hooch. Sure. Like, I, I just, like, and, and having our dog with us if we can, or like making it back home in time to like see the cats and give them, because they don't have any sense of time, they don't actually give a shit. But like, yeah. being with the dog, having a fire of some kind, either out in the woods or in a fireplace, and like having mm-hmm. good hooch with us is kind of the ideal. And perfect. Because I, I know that sounds kind of selfish, but. I also, I don't know, the holidays are very, for me, I like the introspection. I like the quietness. Mm. I like taking the time to kind of take stock of the light in my life in a very dark point in the year. Like a a very physically dark point. I'm not talking about seasonal affective disorder, which usually hits in February for me. And that fits. Um, Like that you'll log up. Yeah. And that's for, uh, because we... I think I am pretty good at being in touch with my community and my people on the reg. 
And so being able to turn Christmas into sort of a time to stoke my own flames so that I can burn bright for everybody else the rest of the year is really Mm. important. And to just like kind of take, take care of the two most important relationships in my life, which is my husband and my dog. Yeah. (laughs) And with that, hopefully our hope, uh, our, uh, I think I can speak for tiger and, and eyes, uh, holiday gift to you is that you alone or your, you and your partner or your polycule are in a rental car or on a flight or just safely staying at home. Please God, let's all do it. Uh, and end this awful thing and, um, are having some, uh, vegan eggnog and listening to this and having a laugh and a cry and taking really good care of each other. And you know what? We want to hear from you. Uh, what's your perfect holiday? What are the movies? What rom-coms, good and bad? Your favorite Christmas puppet? Share it with us. <laughs> yes. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. The email's always there. Um, yeah. Yeah. So not just sleeping in on all the relevant social channels we just mentioned. And questions at notjustsleepingin.com. Have a wonderful holiday. Have a happy new year. I'm not sure what the release schedule is, but I feel like it's always a good time to wish you well, dear listeners. Yeah. (laughs) We want the best life for you. 100%. Until next week, I'm Tiger. And I'm Lee. Spread love. Live your damn truth. And of course... Have, Have fun, fun sleeping, sleeping in. Oh, oh, oh. Baby, please. Happy non-denominational holiday. <laughs> yeah, we did it. Yeah.